thankful for the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> this morning we are closing out our series on 2 Peter. I went back this week and I looked to the first message and I thought, what did I say several months ago? I had to remember what I said. And so July 24th was the first message we started in 1 Peter. And now we're getting towards the end of April 23rd. So that was quite a few months to get through that there. And uh, in my first message, I said that there were three purposes in going through the book. And so I want to review those three purposes because I'm sure, well, well, maybe. Maybe you remember what I said that long ago. But I didn't even remember what I said that long ago, so I had to look back and see what I said. The threefold purpose of going through First and Second Peter, my goals were, number one, to help us to learn about God's grace to get us through our trials. God's grace is sufficient. When Paul sought the Lord to take away his infirmity, and there are lots of people that have lots of different opinions on what Paul's infirmity was. My personal belief, I think it was, wow, whoa, was that an earthquake or a sneeze? It was a sneeze over there. Just, was that you, Stephanie? I'm just teasing you a little bit, so it's all good. I totally lost my train of thought, though, so, whew, probably was a 3.0 on the Richter scale right there. Um, but growing in God's grace through our trials, and we saw the persecution in the early church and in that day, and Peter stressed that fact in God's grace. Second thing is to make sure that we don't let false prophets and those deceive us from the truth. And then thirdly is to keep growing in the Lord. We need to grow. God wants us to grow. And this is the thing. We get to the point, like I look at my kids, and uh, William, he like shot up out of nowhere. I think before long he's going to be taller than me. And, uh, but he's supposed to be growing right now. I'm not going to get any taller. It's not going to happen. Maybe if I wear higher shoes, I get a little taller. But then before long, I'm going to start going down anyways, and I'll have to balance out somewhere. I'm not going to get taller. The only way I can grow physically now is this way and that way. That's about it. And so, but kids, they grow. That's, we expect that. As a Christian, we never reach maturity. We do reach it, but we're not here anymore when we reach it. So as long as we live this life, we need to be growing in the Lord. And we're going to look, at the, we're going to look today at the close of this book. But the threefold purpose was to have God's grace for our trials, to be able to spot doctrinal error, and to grow in the Lord. Peter closes out the book here today for us, his letter. Let's read. First Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, and look down at verse number 14, and we're going to finish it up today. Second Peter chapter number 3, verse number 14. says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, what things are we talking about? The coming of the Lord, right? Isn't that what we've been talking about? So since we are looking for the coming of the Lord, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. All, as also in his epistles, 
speaking in them of these things, in which are some hard things to be understood. Something I took from that, which was a blessing to me, that Paul's writings are not all easily understood. Peter got that, right? Isn't that a blessing to, to know that? Because you ever read some of Paul's epistles and be like, what did he just say? That's basically what Peter just said. Not all of Paul's writings are easy to understand. I want Peter to also know, not all his writings are easy to understand either. And so we keep on reading here. It says, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Now that word rest, we do not use that word today. But back in Bible days and things, that word rest was, a, it was a, basically a torturing device. And you would put someone on a rest and it would twist their body up. It would stretch them out and twist them up. So when we look at that word rest there, I want you to think of twisting, distorting. So look at what it says there. So as also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, they rest, they twist, as they do also other scripture unto their own destruction. There are those out there that twist the word of God to mean what they want it to mean and take it out of what the Bible says. Next verse. Ye therefore, beloved, sing ye know these things before. I've told you what they do. Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. How we need you. I pray that you would guide us and help us through this passage today. Work in our lives and our hearts and help us get what you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we finish up Second Peter today, we get to the end here. And we see that Peter says there in verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, aren't you grateful today that you're beloved of God? Do you realize that today? You are loved of God. You are the beloved today. You'll notice that he says the beloved over and over again in, P, in First and Second Peter. And you say, sometimes you'll say, well, nobody loves me. God loves you today. You are his beloved. He loves you today. And it says, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. So what are we supposed to be doing right now? We're supposed to be keeping our eyes on Jesus because he's coming again. So as we keep our eyes on Jesus, what do we do? Till then. Well, we've talked about a lot the past several weeks, right? Well, today we're finishing it up here. So look at what it says. Next phrase there, it says, Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blemish. Now that word diligent, the, there's in, the, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, the word study and the word diligent here, they are the same word. So you think about we need to, in this verse, as we look at it, we are to be diligent at making sure we study the word. Be diligent in it. Work hard at it. And so what the Bible tells us here as we dive into our notes today, we see it says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, as we look for Christ's return, as we keep our eyes on him, we need to be diligent, number one today, be diligent to show Christ. In the life we live today, be diligent to show him in the world around us. 
We are, do you realize today, we are an advertisement for Jesus. Our lives are, the way we live. And it says there to be diligent. What that tells me, first of all, is not natural for us, right? I, um, the Chino PD, I'm a chaplain for them, and we are doing, uh, there's a Bible study. We did one last, on this Tuesday is the second one, and I'm doing this one. We, we were going through Ephesians 5 and 6. When Ephesians 5 begins, it says, be followers of God as dear children. And so, if, and this week it's my turn to give the study, and I'm going to tell them about a few weeks ago when I took our kids, we were down at Dana Point. And you go down to Dana Point, there are rocks all over out there. Well, Caroline's parents were with us, so Caroline and her parents sat looking down at the water, and you can't have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Maybe the 12-year-old could sit for a few minutes. That 6-year-old's not sitting very long. So I wanted her parents and Caroline to be able to enjoy, so I said, I'll take you for a walk. So what we did is we went down, and once you get down a little ways, there's rocks everywhere. And so we started walking on those rocks. Well, this is what I told them. If you follow where I step, you'll be just fine. My redhead, David, and David probably, his stubbornness and having to always be right, he probably got that from his mom. No, from me. Okay, I'm going to be honest. He probably got it from me. And so this is what happens. You have William at the back of the line because he's the oldest. You have Alyssa there. Matthew right behind me because he's the baby. And then we're all going. And you see David way over there. And he falls, hits the rocks, I'm like, you should not even start crying. What did I tell you to do? If you will follow me, you'll know where to go. And then I love that verse, we're to follow God as dear children. And then you think about, and this week I get to talk about, of all things with the PD, I'm going to be talking about marriage this week. That's the next one. But the, the Lord says, hey, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. You're following him as dear children. Just follow the example that he sets. And so as we follow Christ in the example that he sets, it should, in our lives, we should show Jesus to the world we live in. It's not always an easy thing. The other day, I went to McDonald's. And boy, oh boy. I think you've had some experiences with McDonald's. And so, how did I find out about that? I was talking to someone in between church, and they said I should say that you had experiences with that. I'm not going to tell your story, though. I'll leave that one out. I'll tell my story. And I'm only telling my story because it was a good one this time. It's not always a good one. Well, it wasn't. So, you know, sometimes we'll, and McDonald's is one of those things. How many of you like McDonald's in the room? Who doesn't like McDonald's in the room? Man, we got picky people, you know. They, got, they have to have the upper echelons of things. And so McDonald, a Big Mac every once in a while is good, okay? Not every day, every once in a while. The Big Macs are good. God, God I'm sure, is Big Macs too. There's going to be a whole tray of them on the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's no pork in it. So, well, maybe there is. Who knows what's in that meat? But um, so I got the kids McDonald's and things, and we're going to visit a lady in her nursing home. And when I go, she, I have to bring her a cheeseburger with extra ketchup. It has to be that way. So, and a small coffee or a small soda and then, or a Sprite. And if it's not big, it doesn't matter if I get the smallest one, it's still too big. But anyways, that's fine. So I, sometimes I'll order on the app, and then you sit in the car there. And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then there's other times where I wanted a drink. Now, you might think this is weird, and you can think it's weird. It's okay. 
I, ever since I lost all the weight, I don't drink regular soda. Although I love regular soda. I still do. There's just uh, People tell me, when you quit drinking regular soda, the diet, it'll, it'll be fine. And then the regular is too sweet. It's not too sweet. It still tastes perfect. It's great. But anyways, that's fine. So I, I can handle a Coke Zero. I can handle some other Zero things. But Diet Coke... And so what I do, and you might, you might say, Pastor, it's all in your head. It could be in my head, and I'm not going to deny it. So if I go to McDonald's, we'll f- I'll fill it up about seven-eighths of the way with diet, and I put just a little bit of regular on top. And I feel like it balances out that taste. But if I ask them to do that, they give me the look like, and like you'd say seven-eighths to a McDonald's employee. They don't know what I'm even talking about. <laughs> what? Seven-eighths? What is that? And, but anyways, that's okay. So I went in waiting for the food. There was no one in line. And in fact, my number was up there that it was being prepared. 22 minutes later, I got my food. And I had seen a few people come up to the register yelling at them and just giving them a hard time. Some other people might yell at the different people too. I don't know how that works and anything like that. And so I find they give me the cups then. And I go to fill up my Diet Coke with the regular on top. There are no lids. So I just walk up to the counter. Could I get a lid? I don't know where they are. Give me a minute. Five minutes later, she came out from the back with a whole thing of lids. Now you would think, you would just think. You'd be like, here's your one lid. Here you go. No, no, no. She filled the whole thing up with lids. And then she handed me one after she had filled it all up. So the times is going on and going on. I looked at her, I'm like, you're having a tough day today, aren't you? She's like, people are just so mean. I'm like, I know, I thought about being mean to you too, but I didn't today. And I made her laugh. She was laughing, and so we were teasing around a little bit. And so, and then I told her a little bit about church, but I showed her just a little bit of kindness. Did I want to show her kindness? No. You're like, just, it's not that hard to make a cheeseburger. And you know, Back in the day when I was a kid, remember at McDonald's they just had all those trays out there and all the food was all out there already? And they just grabbed one and threw it to you and it was, hot, it was cold and whatever? Now, you know the secret now is you can't even see the back anymore. They still do the same thing. It's just you can't see them do the same thing. But anyways, I just showed her a little kindness. In our daily lives, as we look to the Lord for his return, we need to be diligent to show Jesus to the world we live in. Where you work, just show Jesus. Be diligent. At school, just show Jesus. As you serve, just show Jesus. Does everyone deserve you to act like Jesus? No, but that's what made Jesus Jesus. He was that way anyways. But we need to be, that's what it says here, be diligent that you may be found of him. So, and this time about when he comes, what do we need to be diligent to show? First of all, letter A, peace. Didn't Jesus say that he was going to leave his peace with us? And his peace he leaves is not the peace that the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Jesus came and brought peace. And as we keep our eyes on the Lord and him coming, this world should see Christians have peace in their lives. Now this is, I, I know, I'm one of those people, I have a lot of anxieties inside, and I don't feel very peaceful a lot of times. 
But that's what this, that's what the Bible's saying here. Peace should be a product of a believer. Be diligent to show peace. You know, we think about it, the Bible tells us in um, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the next verse says, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about that when our perfect, it talks about how we can have peace as our mind is stayed on him, right? And so in our world today, our world doesn't know what peace is, do they? No. Turn on the news. There is no such thing as peace. And you look, and for a believer, we need to be, have, be at peace in the world that we live. You know, we look, and I'm not, I don't bring this up a ton, but we as Christians, we look over the past couple years in our country and in the world, this pandemic that we've had. A lot of Christians were just as fearful as this world is. It should not be that way. I'm not telling you not to be wise in decisions and things you do, but we should not be fearful. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. The world doesn't have that. The world doesn't have peace. But when you know Jesus Christ, you know true peace. And so as we live and as we live in light of him returning and we have our eyes on him, be diligent that when he comes, he finds peace in us. He left it for us. Let me ask you today, how's your peace doing? Are you at peace today? Are you in turmoil? I think I gave someone the illustration earlier today, but you realize we get, we get in a lot of turmoil and messed up, kind of like Peter. Remember Peter? I love Peter, and we're talking about Peter here. And Peter sometimes gets a bad rap for talking too much, you know, putting his foot in his mouth. But I'm glad he spoke up sometimes. I'm glad he said, where else are we going to go? You are the son of God. No one else has it. You have it all. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You're the son of God. It's like, good job, Peter. Next minute, bad job, Peter. But good job in that moment. But Peter, I love the fact that Jesus is there and he gets out and walks on the water. We love to give Peter a hard time because he doubted and he started to drown. No one else got out of the boat. The man had enough faith to get out of the boat and do something. That says a lot to me right there that he would do that. But when he got realizing where he was and what was going on, he started doubting and he started sinking. But when he kept his focus on Jesus and didn't worry about what was around him, he had peace and he stayed above the water. That's why we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And yes, life gets stressful. Yes, it's very stressful. Yes, lots of things happen. And yes, I'm preaching to myself right now. I get that. I am. But if we keep our focus on him, we're not going to sink and drown and feel like we're going under. He will help us through and keep our focus on him. So as the Lord, as, he's, as we keep our eyes on him coming, we got to be diligent. And being diligent tells me it's not easy to do. It's hard work. It's hard work to have peace. It, and you say, well, the Lord, he's there. But we live in this world. And we do have the new man. We are a new creature in Christ, but we still have the old man with us. It doesn't go away. We need to be diligent to have peace and let her be purity. 
Don't let the world spot us. Now, this is the thing. I do not believe, and I don't believe that this is talking about our sanctification. Because when we get saved, we are justified. We are without spot. I think it's saying as we live in this world, don't let this world corrupt you. And this is the thing. It's easy for this world to corrupt us, isn't it? It is. And all the things we have today from social media to the internet to television, they're, they're not bad in themselves, but there is so much access today to bad through them and things. It's easy to access bad things. And in fact, our world delights in bad things and highlights bad things. Our world mocks and jokes about bad things. And as we keep our eyes on the Lord and his coming, let's show Christ. Be diligent to show Christ. Do you know when Jesus, Jesus came to this world, when he left, he left an imprint in this world. The world didn't leave an imprint on him. We need to, let's leave, let's not, and this, and it's, I get it, we're not Jesus. Jesus was not going to sin. Jesus is perfect. And I get that we will mess up. But you should strive to live for Jesus. To strive for it. We don't hear enough preaching today on holy living. We really don't. used to hear a lot more about it. Now, I'm not going to tell you you get in better graces with God or God's going to bless you more if you do this. I'm not saying those things. I'm just saying as we keep our eyes on Jesus and as we're looking to be diligent to show Christ, in the way you handle yourself in situations and the way you live. I gave the example last service. We look at our world today. And the guitar is playing itself right there. There's a spirit in the guitar. I'll leave that one there. I won't go any deeper on that. I was warned about that, Michael. But Wow something going on up there. See, someone doesn't want you to hear this, or the Lord's trying to tell me, Brian, just stop and go to point number two. I don't know which one, but um, I mentioned this example last service. Let's just look at our world. Let's go back some years, okay? I am not, um, I was, we're going to go back to the 1950s for a couple minutes, okay? And I'm just going to use like the world of television and things of that for a few minutes. My parents were kids in the 50s. I definitely wasn't here in the 50s but just a couple thoughts. So you look at the average TV show of the 50s. We're going to use television as an example here. So we would say Andy Griffith, probably. Or is that, was that a little older? 60s, early 60s, 50s? What? I love Lucy. Eee, yeah. My mom, oh man, I love Lucy. I, I have nightmares still about that show. And so I could probably quote you every single episode. And so my mom loved I Love Lucy. And she had DVDs of it. And I make sure they are not on when I'm there. And uh, Leave It to Beaver. There was other ones. Compare the television shows of 1950 to all the brand new shows of 2023. Let's just think for a minute, okay? So in the 50s, for an example, let you... You didn't see TV shows where they slept in the same bed. Example, Ricky and Lucy were married, and they were in separate beds. And even having a woman pregnant when she was pregnant, that wasn't something that was done, right? Today, 
Not only do you sleep in the same bed with someone you're not married to, but look at what they sleep with in bed today. It's a big difference. We can definitely say that our world has changed in the past 73 years. A lot. The problem is, the problem is, in the 1950s, this is what we're going to say. Use, follow my example here. Down at the park down the street, that's Jesus. That's how far away we are from him. But this was Christians in the 1950s. You had the world of 1950 right here. The world, the world's people in 1950, yes, the world was still bad in 1950. Don't get like, oh, the world wasn't bad. The world's always been bad all the way along. That hasn't changed. But at least a lot of people in the, they had morals still. They had some morals where today the world, I will come over here, but really the world's down the street. I can't get further than this wall. They're way down there. The problem is, and I'm grateful that most of you in this room are above average Christians today. The average Christian has less morals today than the world did in 1950. Because the problem is, we have our focus on the world. I am not like them. I am not like them. Look at the world. Look at where they're at. Look, I'm not like the world. I'm, and then we end up keep moving towards the world. Do you know Jesus never moves? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we're supposed to do is not look at what the world's doing and compare ourselves with the world. We're supposed to be looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. So this is the thing. If we would keep our eyes on Jesus, the world's going to keep going that way. But we're going to be trying to go this way. And if you're trying to go this way while the world's going that way, they're going to be like, there's something different about you. That's how we be diligent to show the Lord thing is, we got to get our eyes off of this world and get our eyes on the Lord and his return. Number one, this morning we see that we need to be diligent to show Christ. Number two, number two, determined to know the truth. Determined to know the truth. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? Look with me in number 15. And account. That word account, I don't, that word, I guess maybe several years ago they might use that word there. It means consider. Hey, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also— Now, I love the fact that Peter calls Paul his beloved brother Paul. They had their moments, right? Wasn't there even a time that Paul rebuked Peter? Some of us in this room, if someone openly rebuked us, and it's mentioned for people to see forever— I'll never talk to that person again. I don't see Peter holding a grudge. Our beloved brother Paul. Pretty powerful right there. You also want to act like Christ? You want to show Christ? Forgive. Don't hold grudges. Move past things. Let Christ work in your life. And if Christ forgave us, we should forgive others. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We keep on reading here. It says, According to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you, as also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some hard things to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. 
Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. I've been praying and praying where to go next week for the new series. And we're going to go with the book of Hebrews. The reason we're going to go with the book of Hebrews, and you might disagree with my thoughts right here. And if you do, it's okay that you're wrong. It's okay. I could be wrong, whatever the case may be. I want you just to see something and get my thinking for a second, okay? And Brian's thinking, it's, I know it's not your thinking, but go to the first chapter of 1 Peter for a second. Hold your place here because we're going to come right back here in a second. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 1 and look at what it says. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So being strangers means they didn't, they weren't from those parts. They were the Jews that were scattered abroad. I think that's what that's telling us there. Now we go back to where we were in chapter 3. And it says, as also in his epistles, speaking in things, speaking in them of things in which are some hard to be understood. And do you see that the Bible does say that Paul's writings are scripture? You see that right down there? They are scripture too. But do you see how Paul wrote to these people? I'm a firm believer that Paul penned Hebrews, which would have been the only book that he would have penned to these Jews. And chapter 5 and 6 goes into detail about growing in your spiritual maturity. And didn't Peter talk about adding to your faith virtue, knowledge, all those things? And then Paul tells, or whoever penned, we know it's the Holy Spirit, but in the book of Hebrews it talks about those who try to get saved all over again and can't because they've already been saved. You can't get saved twice. You can't lose your salvation. People will twist those scriptures and say the people can lose their salvation. So for me, as I was studying that passage out, it kind of clicked with me that Hebrews was the place to go. Now, if you don't think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, you might want to not hear everything I say next week a little bit, and then after that, we'll be in good shape. And then I'll probably go to Genesis after that. And I know some people were excited for the book of Genesis. And so I've been, my goal my goal as a pastor, and this changed a few years ago, my goal is to preach through every book of the Bible before I'm done pastoring. Is it going to happen? I don't know. That's my goal. It used, I never had a goal like that, but if, and then I started thinking a while back, maybe while I'm young, I need to like preach through the really hard ones like Ezekiel. Because if, if I get to the point where everyone's falling asleep listening to me speak, and then I'm going through the book of Ezekiel, or maybe that's the time I want to go through the book of Ezekiel. Say, so what are you going to do with all the names and Chronicles? I don't know. We'll figure that out when we get there. Okay? But determine to know the truth. You say, Pastor, well, what do you mean by determine to know the truth? Well, look at what it says here. There's some things that are mentioned in this passage, and it's important that you know the truth and what the Word of God says. And it begins with salvation. It says there to consider, you look at the text, you look at verse number 3, or chapter 3 there in verse number 15, it says, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now, long-suffering is also mentioned in this passage, right? It's about the Lord being long-suffering 
and why he hasn't came yet, because he's long-suffering in verse number 9. To us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when it comes to determining to know the truth, salvation matters. Knowing it right matters. Letter B. How about this one? How about knowing the truth from the scriptures? I mentioned to you earlier that machine, the, the machine that where that word rest comes from. It literally was a torturing device that would twist your body and mangle your body and twist it and distort your body. And what we see Peter say here is, um, at the end there he says, those that are unlearned and unstable rest, they twist, they distort the scriptures as they do other scriptures under their own destruction. And there are many out there, and you can listen to them online today, you can listen to them on TV, you can listen all over the place where they take God's word and they twist it to fit their agenda, twist it to fit what they think it should say, and that's what they do. And it's to their own destruction, the Bible says. And that's why it's so important that you are grounded in the truth of God's word and that you know the truth. And that you're study, that you're diligent to study, to show yourself a proof that you know the word of God. It's not good enough to say, well, my pastor said that's what's right. That's not going to help you out. And yes, your pastor might be pretty smart and pretty good, maybe, but that's not going to help you in the long run. You need to know for yourself. You need to study it for yourself and know that what the Bible says is true. So that way when someone tells you something like, that doesn't seem right, you understand what they're doing. I know some people think, and I hear people often, it would be easy to have your job, Pastor. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, you know, you just get up in front of people, say a few words during the week, you eat bonbons and ding-dongs during the week and just do nothing else all week long. Okay, that's good. That's good. You can come sit with me sometime and go. You could, you, anybody ever feel that way and think it'd be easy to pastor? Come be with me for a week. You can come spend time with me for a week. You can go home at night and go to sleep and come back in the morning. You can spend time with me for a week and see what goes on. The one thing that I struggled with the most about pastoring in the beginning and saying yes to the Lord, because I told God no. I told him no. Now, should you ever tell God no? No. But Peter did it too, and so I'm human, you know? The one thing I struggled with was, I'm going to be preaching God's word. I cannot manipulate it or twist it to fit what I want it to say and lead God's people astray. That's what scares me the most about pastoring. You know, there's a book in the, there's a verse in the book of Revelation towards the end there that says that if you add to it or take away, it doesn't say your salvation's taken away. It says your part, your works are taken away. Those works are where we get our crowns to give to the Lord. And I believe that there are many guys that have done good things pastoring, but have twisted the scriptures to fit their agenda, and their part's going to be taken out. It's a big deal. Hey, you teach God's word, you let the Bible take care of itself, and you don't twist it. It's, I, the longer I pastor, the more I realize the fact it's not my job to get you to do anything. It's my job to give you God's word and let it change you. And if God's word's not changing you, I can't do anything about that. I had someone a while back, they're like, I get nothing from your preaching. 
if there is more than one verse being read and you get nothing from the word of God, that's not my fault. My job is to preach the word and that's all I can handle and do. But there are those out there that take the scriptures and twist them and mess people up and get people to fall away. And that's where the next verse, verse 17, tells us. And we got to, as we know the truth, why do we need to know the truth? We need to, about salvation, about the scriptures, about our steadfastness. If you let someone mess up your thinking and twist the scriptures for you, you're going to fall away. Doesn't the Bible talk about that in the last days there are going to be many that fall away? And I, and you know what? And some people say, well, those people were never saved. First off, you can't say that. This was written to believers, right? So there were going to be believers that would fall away if they didn't watch out for this stuff, right? That's Bible. That's what it says right here. And so sometimes there are going to be people that fall away because they just don't know the truth. And they'll listen to whoever and what they say. And as the, twist, as the scriptures get twist, they'll follow that and they'll lead to their own destruction. And they'll lead to their own falling away. You can never, once you're saved, fall out of God's arms. But you can take some steps away from him. He's still right there. You can backslide, right? You can backslide. That's possible. And so as we close this out, as we, what are we supposed to do? Keep our eyes on him. And as we keep our eyes on him, show Christ to this world. Determine to know the truth. And then lastly, keep growing. Just keep growing. Don't ever stop. When you get to the point in your Christian life where you have it all figured out, you have a long way still to go. Keep growing. I have, I, the, my background and things, I've heard many a preacher in, my, in the type of churches I grew up in and things, I've heard this statement said often, I haven't changed in 50 years. If God's word doesn't change you in 50 years, you are not growing. And I used to have that, I'm not changing. And then I read something in the Bible that goes a little contrary to what I was doing. Be like, I'm changing. Why? Because this book will change you. Keep growing. Don't stop growing. Keep growing. Keep reading it. And it talks about there, you see there's one of two things that are going to happen. There's a contrast. You see the end of verse 17, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. There's this getting away from the Lord. And getting away, if you're saved, you can't get away. That's a hard way of saying it. But you can, you can backslide. You can, your faithfulness can slack. Or, look what it says, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Remember how earlier in this passage, in chapter 1, we talked about the things to add to our faith? And take your supplements. Someone made a little, I preached that message at another church a while back. They made me a, a pitcher, and I'm gonna, I might use it or I might use another one. It's literally a medicine cabinet, and then it's got the little medicine bottles, and it's got virtue. So the medicine cabinet's faith. Then you got your virtue, your knowledge, 
your temperance, all those different things, because you need to take your daily supplements. That you may be, in verse 8, abounding. We need to be growing. And abounding, that's what it's talking about. Church, this morning, keep growing. Now, in this passage, it gives us two examples of areas to grow. Number one is in grace. In grace. We need to grow in God's grace. So what do you mean by growing in grace? Once you're saved, you're saved, do you realize you're saved by God's grace this morning? That's where we sing some of these songs like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Do you notice how they all go down the same road that saved a wretch like me? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The person who penned those words realized who they were before Christ and realized that it was his amazing grace that brought him from where he was. We sang, I was a wretch, I remember who I was, I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Yeah, God's grace, God's grace. That is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, we didn't earn it, because you can't earn grace. You can't earn it. It's given to us by God. God's given you grace today. And we can sing songs, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, or wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? How shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free, the wonderful grace of Jesus, it reaches me. It's a wonderful grace. And that grace, as it's in our life, and as we get to know the grace of God, that's going to flow out in us. And we'll be more gracious to people. We'll be kind to the McDonald's employee. We'll be kind to the other people, the person who's hurt you. A while back, I was going to preach a message somewhere, and I never preached the message, but I was doing some studying for it. And you can take some time maybe this week and study this out a little bit. Second Samuel chapter number 7. David tells God, I'm gonna, I want to build a house for you. I have a nice house. I am well taken care of. I want to build you a house, God. And God said, you're not going to be able to. I'll let your son. But you know what I'm going to do with you, David? I'm going to make your kingdom last forever. I'm going to make something great out of you. And in that passage, we see David tells the Lord, who am I that you would do that? The fact that you would bestow your grace and your mercy on me, and I'm adding those words in there, but that's the gist of what's being said. And one of my favorite passages about David is two chapters later, chapter 9. And David says, Is there anyone left of Saul's house? I want to show them God's kindness. And Mephibosheth. But do you see as David learned and knew the grace of God, he wanted to take the grace that was given to him and show God's kindness and grace to someone in Saul's house. Grow in grace. We are very good at wanting to receive grace. We are not very good at giving grace. That's why we need to not only grow in grace, but the second part is key too, in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As you grow in your knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, guess what? You will grow in grace. They go hand in hand. Because when you see and you know what Jesus has done for you, 
you can show God's grace to others. I love, do you see, do you see who Peter calls Jesus here? Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As Lord, he is master and supreme in authority. As Savior, he's the one who saves us and sustains us. As Jesus, he's the one who saves us. And as Christ, he is the anointed of God. He's the Messiah. Grow in grace and in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love how he closes it. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. On Wednesday nights, we started the book of Revelation. And John was talking a little bit about Jesus there in verse number 7 or verse 6, and then verse 7 and 8, he broke out into a doxology and praise. Because when you start thinking about Jesus and what he's done, you can't help but praise him. And it just came out of John's mouth, and there's going to be way more in the book of Revelation as we go. But here, the fact Peter's closing out the book, he thinks about Jesus, he thinks about what he's done. And you know, some of the other books that are written, when they close, they, hey, greet so-and-so and greet so-and-so and do this and do that. This book closes saying, hey, grow in grace and your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then Peter got off. Oh, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. There's nothing else that needs to be added. So church, as we live in light of Christ's return, be diligent to show Jesus, to show Christ. Have peace and don't let this world taint you and mess you up. Determine to know the truth and don't let anybody twist the scriptures and mess you up and lead you astray. But keep growing. And grow in grace. And take God's grace and extend that grace to others. And that grace will grow as you grow in your knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as you live this life, you want to bring him praise and glory and honor, right? I think that we can bring God praise and bring him glory when we're growing. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. A non-growing Christian doesn't bear fruit. Just like you have trees at your house and things. If you have an orange tree and it's never given you an orange in 10 years, you water it, you take care of it, and there is no fruit you're not going to be very happy with that tree, right? And you might just get rid of the tree because it's not producing. Or you might trim it and help it grow. If you have an orange tree and there's a bunch of good fruit on it, you like the tree. Like I like the orange tree right here at the house. You open up, you try to open up that orange and you're soaked from it because it's just one of those, it's a good orange. There were a few years where we didn't get good oranges from that tree. But I like the tree when it gave me good fruit. And God doesn't like you any different. I'm not trying to say that. But you want to bring God glory and honor? Grow. Don't ever stop. When we stand before him, we will be as he is, and you'll have nothing else to grow in. But until then, we got a long ways to go. Father, we thank